We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Thank you for being here tonight. My name is Pastor Brian Hunt. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. And just so you know, our mission here is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. So if this is your first time joining us, we just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. And if there's anything we could do to help you to discover Jesus and follow him fully, man, we are there for you. Make sure you let us know in that chat room host. They'll let you know how they can help you take your next step for Jesus. But um, been a pretty boring week, you know, just kind of like an average normal week for everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, since the last time we got together, I'm now homeschooling my kids, which that's going to be a train wreck. But uh, a lot has changed. We've, we've learned new, new, new phrases, social distancing. We know about that. We know about what it's like to, to shelter at home. Like we know all kinds of different things that we didn't know a week ago because the world is changing constantly. And as we look to change as a church, as we look to change as people, honestly, there's, there's some things that are happening that, that I would tend to think could might make you be a little fearful. I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of things that could kind of swirl some questions in your head about what, what, what is that all about? For instance, like, can I, can I go out in public without touching people or things? We, we know exactly how far six feet is now all of a sudden. Um, how do I have, how do, I, do I send my kids to school or do I not? How do I homeschool my kids? What about my aging parents? Do I need to worry about them and their safety? How about my 401k? How is it going to be affected by all of this? What does it mean for my job? Am I going to have enough TP by the end of the weekend? Like, you know, all of these things. And of course, that last one's a little bit funny, but you, you get it. That there's a lot of things that are swirling around in our head right now. And, and as I know that there are people joining us from all over the place, Helen is joining us from the Philippines and Rob is in Escalon right now. Uh, we even had Debbie that joined us and she, was, she said she was able to finally sing for the first time and not hurt people's ears in the room. So Debbie, you sing out loud, man, sing out strong. But, but even in those moments, there's some questions that we're wondering about. They just are wondering about. And it's easy when you think about these questions to be afraid. So what do we do with it? Honestly, what do we do with it? How do we as Christians process through the perceived or the real fears that we have in our life right now? And guys, this isn't just a COVID-19 thing. It's in all areas of our life thing. So, so perhaps the better question that we need to ask is, what does God say about fear? And, and this is why I think this series that we're going to be going through these next two weeks is so important. Because people are looking for hope in a fear-filled world. Because as quickly as a virus can spread, panic can spread just as fast and leave fear in its wake. So we need to allow Jesus to speak into these areas of fear that we have in our life. Because what Satan would want to do more than anything else is to get us more focused on the news than on Jesus. To be more concerned about our 401k or our savings in our 401k than the Savior of the world. He wants us to live in fear and not by faith. And so as we lean into Jesus in these challenging, challenging times, it is so comforting to know that he ain't moving. He is not moving. He is still the rock of our salvation and he is not wavering in the least and in fact, what I love about the Bible is that over 80 times in the Bible, you are going to find this phrase, fear not, in the Bible. 
And almost every time you hear God say, fear not, it's usually to somebody in the most trying circumstances of their life that they deserve to be a little fearful, but he's like, nope, fear not. Which is why as we sit in the middle of our fears right now, we need to hear the hope and the reminder of God saying, fear not. It should remind us that in times of fear, that our faith needs to flex a little bit more, that our faith needs to be over our fear. And so as as you, to give you a little bit of heads up of where we're going to be at here tonight, I want to let you know that we'll be in two spots as we tackle this idea of fear. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians and the book of Isaiah. Ephesians chapter 5 and Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, if you want to get yourself there already. So if you have your Bibles or you have your Crossroads Grace apps, you can open up there. Or even on that chat window right now on our online campus, you'll have a Bible tab underneath there. Our hosts will send out a link for you to be able to go to the Bible. But Ephesians 5 and in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And as you do that, I just remember growing up back in South Dakota, and I remember going to my best friend Rob's house. And and I love going to Rob's house. I probably hang out there more than I would at my own home because they had a pool table. Uh, They had like some really good stuff in their fridge. They had a way bigger TV than we did. So I could come over and eat ravioli out of a can and watch the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at Rob's house. Yes, I was a senior in high school and I watched the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. What up? What are you going to do about it? Right? That's what I did. But as, but as much as I love going to Rob's house, can I tell you that I was always scared to death walking in his, in his house for the first time? It never matter how many times I've been over, I would walk into his house and I would be scared to death because the second I stepped through that door, this, this, their, their dog charged at me and his name was Copper. Copper would charge at me and he would try to attack me almost every time I went over there. I mean to tell you, this was the most vicious animal. It had growling teeth and drool. It looked like the beast from the sandlot. You have this image in your mind of exactly what this animal looked like, which is why you could understand my genuine fear when this came at me, charging at me. A sick, mean wiener dog named Copper charged at me all the time. But I can honestly say I was scared. Look at it. I came and look at it. Like scared to death of copper. So, so was I wrong? Was I wrong? Is, is, is fear a bad thing? Like really, is fear a bad thing? Is fear truly a sign of a lack of faith? Is it true? And the answer is no. The answer, the answer is no. Fear, much like pain, is actually a good thing to have in your life and was actually given to you by God. Now, now I mentioned pain just a second ago as kind of an adjunct example to our discussion today, but just let me explain this to you just a little bit. Did you know that without pain, you and I would be in a whole lot of trouble? You see, when when people ask, they ask God, like, God, why is there pain in the world? Or, or, Or God, take away all the pain in the world. I just don't know if they really know what they're asking for because I don't think that we want that wish to be granted. In fact, if if we had a chance, I would ask Will Smith for another wish, if you know what I mean, right? Aladdin fans out there. Because if we didn't experience pain, think about this. You wouldn't move your hand away from a hot stove. You wouldn't know that your left arm was broken at the BMX bike park. You wouldn't know that. And goodness gracious, you would not be able to find that last little Lego in the carpet at home. 
I know there's some parents right now with their hands in the air saying amen to those little Legos that are going to just suck the soul right out of your bottom of your foot, right? You need that to know where those are at. So, a, so pain is really a gift from God. It alerts us to something that is around us and it helps us to avoid things in the present and also in the future. Now, fear in a lot of ways is similar to pain. It also has a positive effect in our life. And it, and now, if you'll bear with me for just a second here, I want to talk about the, the physiology of pain before we get to the theology of pain or, or of fear. So, so we're going to talk physiology of fear before we get to the theology of fear because God has wired our bodies in a fascinating way. And it's just so cool to, to understand. So for starters, fear is triggered in our body by a little, little group of cells known as the amygdala in the brain. Now, this is kind of where it's at. That's the amygdala. Now, now, we should actually love this little collection of cells that's right here. This is called the amygdala because in the Greek or in the Latin, the word amygdala means almond or almond or however weird way that you say it here in the Central Valley, right? That's whatever you wanted to call it, right? It's called, it's called the amygdala. But what's interesting is that this isn't like, it doesn't bud white flowers in February, and it's not a nice little snack that we have on road trips. No, no, the amygdala is actually the main area where we experience and we sense fear. It comes right from the amygdala. And crazy as enough as it sounds, this little group of cells right here, when you experience something that you should be fearful of, it will, it will alert you, it will alert your brain before you are consciously aware that you should be afraid of it. It's a crazy little guy. It's a crazy thing, but it's part of a bigger system called the limbic system. And the limbic system that activates what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which creates something that you and I have heard about all the time called fight or flight. That's right, this little, little amygdala fires the fight or flight response. And that means based on what your body is presented with, you will either fight it or you will run away from it. Now, it's really important that we have this because if we didn't have this system, we would try to pet that bear that looks oh so cute and we would get mauled to death and die because we didn't have any fear of it. But guys, we don't need a PhD in neuroscience to understand that sometimes people's fears are greater than other people's. We all know people that are super, super fearful, like me and Copper, super fearful of that little wiener dog. Or, or if you hear something like move in your bedroom at night, you'll jump in the, in the bed and throw the, the mattress over the top of the tub. Like that's what we're talking about. Even if it was just your letterman's jacking falling off the chair, you're going to freak out. So some of us are just naturally more fearful. But then there are those people whose fear factor is almost non-existent. For an example for you today, Sheree and I, my wife Sheree and I recently watched a documentary called Free Solo. And, and it was about a mountain climber by the name of Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold. This is a picture of Alex right here. Looks like a normal guy, right? Um, but here's the deal. Alex Honnold is, is known as the most amazing free soloing climbers. He, he, he free solos mountain. He climbs them. That means that he doesn't use any harnesses, no gear, nothing like that. And so if he falls, like he goes, he goes free falling, like he is going to die. There is nothing that's going to catch him. And Alex has done all kinds of amazing free solo climbs all across the globe. Some of the most gnarliest climbs you'll ever see. Alex has already done those. 
But the biggest challenge he ever faced was a little more than an hour away from us here in Northern California. And it was a, a, a face, a mountain face called El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. And El Cap is considered one of the most difficult mountains to climb full, with full gear on. And, and it, it's nearly impossible to do it without any gear on. But after years and years of practicing, Alex took on the task of free solo climbing El Cap without any ropes or gears or anything else. And in one slight slip, he falls to his death. Now, the documentary is totally worth watching, but I just want you to see a small clip to give you an idea of what Alex did. Take a look. It's over now. Oh God, it's done. <laughs> oh, God. Are you kidding me right now? Right? Like, like, are you are you kidding me? He climbed that whole thing in three hours and fifty-six minutes, and when he got to the top of it, you would have thought that he just got done folding his laundry or something like that. The camera guy's freaking out, like he's losing his mind, and this guy's like so delighted. Like, are you crazy, bro? Like, you could have died. That's amazing. They're freaking out, and he's just chilling out. But he's he's a freak of nature. Listen to what the National Geographic said about Alex. They said this when interviewing. They said, there are other climbers in Honnold's league physically, but no one else has matched his mental ability to control fear. His tolerance for scary situations is so remarkable that neuroscientists have studied the parts of his brain related to fear to see how they might differ from the norm. And what the neurologists have found out, the neuroscientists have found out, that Alex's amygdala is smaller than the normal person. In other words, he doesn't process fear the same way that you and I would. And so you're probably thinking, well, if I, can I get an amygdala shrinking device? Is that what you're asking me to do, Pastor B? Well, well no, listen, I want you to listen to what, how Alex processes this whole fear thing in his own words. And I, I want you to listen to, take a look at this with me. He says, with free soloing, obviously I know that I'm in danger. But feeling fearful while I'm up there is not helping me in any way. It's only hindering my performance. So check this out. I just set it aside 
and leave it be. I set it aside and I leave it be. So, so part of overcoming our fear is that we simply realize that fear is not helping us in any way. I, it may very well might be hindering your performance in life altogether. But is it, like, is it really that simple? Is it just an amygdala shrinking that we need? Is that really what it is? Is it as simple as just saying, oh fear, I'll put you over here and it's going to be totally fine. Because right now, I can almost sense some frustration through the, the interwebs right now with people saying, this guy, this guy's just some kind of crazy health wealth guy and kind of that self-help guy. I'm just going to turn the channel and go listen to Charles Stanley because goodness gracious, his Bible's big enough. So I'm going to just turn to him. Well, listen, before you turn to Mr. Stanley, would you just hang on for just a second? I'm going to get to the God stuff here in just one second. Because there certainly is more to just rubbing some dirt on it and moving on when it comes to fear. Because the fears we have today, they are real. They're real fears. And a lot of us feel that we are literally at the bottom of our own El Capitan mountain and we are looking up at it and we are wondering, how in the world am I going to get through all this? Because as much as, we, as fear can motivate us to do more, the thought in order to do more and to think more to do that, honestly, if, if, we don't let, if we don't take over it, it's going to tip us over to the dark side of fear. Not just all positive puppies and ponies, it could take us to the dark side. You see, fear can be, is more than just a healthy fear of snakes and cats. When fear is unchecked, it leads us toward an unhealthy, unhealthy outworkings like anxiety and panic and stress. This is where a lot of ourselves, this is where we find ourselves today. When we see the world shutting down around us, we begin to do the very same thing. In our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, we begin to shut down hope and even our faith can take a hit. But it's the times like these that we need to pay more attention to the word of God than the words of Fox News. Like we just need to hear from God. Not that we ignore reality or the seriousness of what we're facing right now. In fact, what we need to give ourselves permission to do, and I want to give yourself permission to do this, is to be able to embrace the fear that you have right now. Embrace it. Because listen, if we never call out our fear by name, we can never call it out when it's time to evict it from our life. If you don't know what it is, you can't evict it out of your life. You just are like, I don't know, I'm just scared. Hey, call it by name so you can evict it out of your life. And this isn't just the fear of the coronavirus, my friends. It's not just this. Goodness, we have had fears long before this little bug entered our scene. We need to be okay calling out all our fears. I'm fearful that my husband will leave me for another woman. I, I'm, I'm fearful that my son is not developing the way that he should. I'm, I'm fearful that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills next month. I'm, I'm honestly scared of the hard work that it might take to admit that I'm wrong and actually do the hard work that I need to do to fix my marriage little by little. We got to call it by name. But saying them is one thing, but dealing with them is a completely different thing altogether. And this is where Paul has given us such a beautiful bit of wisdom on what we should do in times of fear 
and uncertainty so that we don't lose hope, so that we don't lose faith. And this is where I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 5. And if you would, look at the uh, first verse in chapter 13, chapter 5, verse 13. He says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Isn't it amazing how different things feel when you're in the morning? You know, like in the morning when the, when the sun rises, oh my goodness, problems, all of a sudden they seem solvable. Worries seem less worrisome. Fears seem to kind of lose their stronghold on our lives. It feels less scary when things are in the light and not trapped in the recess, the dark recesses of our mind. It just is. And so Paul is, what Paul is saying here, he says, listen, everything, everything that is exposed by the light, guess what? It becomes visible. And he even says it twice. He says, everything that is illuminated, illuminated becomes a light. We need to be constantly shoving everything into the light. Why? So that we can deal with it in the open and not in secret. Because don't we often tell ourselves this either out loud or just inside our head? I can handle this. It's no problem. No one feels the same way that I do. So I just need to keep this to myself. I will keep it in the dark. And when we do that, We are simply shoving things into the dark that are meant to be exposed, illuminated by the light. Which is why we almost become numb or fall asleep to the realities of the facts that we are facing. Or the fact that our fear very well might be killing us while we're sleeping because we're like, you know what, I'll just go to bed and I'll forget about it altogether. We've all done that before. We've all ignored the issue that's right in front of us and said, oh, it'll go away. It's our way of falling asleep to the reality that we're facing. And this is why Paul says this in verse 14. He says in verse 14, he says this. He says, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul says that sleeping on our fear is not the answer. He says, shoving it into the light is the answer. Shoving it into the light of Jesus is the answer. Because here, guys, listen, here's what I want you to hear. More than anything else today, I want you to understand this one line. And it's this one idea that light illuminates the truth about our fears. Light illuminates the truth about our fears. In the light, we can deal with it. But in the dark, there's no hope. And in a time where we need hope more than anything else, the light is where we will find it. Guys, we see this, don't we? All the junk that we see on TV and social media can be hard to fathom. It's hard to look at all that stuff. But people are looking for hope. Guys, just the other day, I I posted a link on my Facebook page. It was called 10 Positive Updates of the COVID-19 Outbreaks from Around the World. That was the title of it. And, and, I, and I put it up on, on my, my Facebook page. The hosts are going to put that out for you if you want to read it a little bit later. But here was what was interesting. I put that up on my Facebook fi- post. And in less than two days, 1,100 people shared it. 1,100 people shared an article about 10 positive things. Why? Because people are looking for hope. And what Jesus offers is the greatest hope in all the world. And at a time like this, we need to remember 
that not only do we need the hope, but other people need it. And other people are watching us as Christians, as people that say that we believe in the hope of the world found in Jesus. They are looking and they're saying, hey, how are you responding? How am I responding? And, and Paul says this very important in verses 15 and 16. He says this, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. People are watching what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're posting. They want to know how real is your faith during times when it is the toughest. That's when they really want to know. I love this quote by Franklin Delano Roosevelt that said that a, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. My assistant gave that to me. Just so good. A smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. sailor. Guys, we are in a time in our history where the world is watching how we will sail our faith in the storms of life. They're watching us. We have such a great chance to be Jesus to people and see the world, the world, turn to him. But guys, it's through adversity that we see the biggest effect. Will we rise to the challenge or will we crumble under the fear and sink? Which is why Paul says this. He continues in verse 17. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't say that. No, the, the tendency, let's understand. The tendency we see, we see in people that when they become fearful is that they choose foolish things. To tell me that's not true. People will drink away their problem. They'll shop away their problem. They'll eat their problem away. They'll buy enough toilet paper to TP the entire state of Rhode Island their problem away. Like you see it all the time. But God says that's not what the world is looking for. Guys, listen, the world is looking for something different. The world is looking for people who are faithful, not fearful. Paul would reiterate this in verses 18 through 20. He says this, he says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God says that as people of faith, people of the light, people of Jesus, we need to be mindful of how we speak to one another and also how we live. We have such a chance to share the hope of Jesus. Unlike ever before, more than ever before, people are listening. They are tuning in. They are asking questions. And if we leave our fear in the dark too long, all of a sudden, we have some nasty things growing in our hearts that could have been eradicated altogether with just a healthy dose of vitamin G. That's right. Vitamin God is what people need. We don't need vitamin D from the sun. We need vitamin G from God. Because when our faith is in the light, we can start to see and hear what God would say about them. And when our fear is in the light, we can then start to see and hear what God says about it to us. And that's why I want to fi finish the rest of our time 
I want us to spend the rest of our time because I want us to look in the book of Isaiah 41.10. That's where I've been telling you to get. I want us to actually read these words, but I'm going to ask you to do something. I don't care if you're in the Philippines or in Des Moines, Iowa. What I want you to do right now, I'm not joking. I want you to stand up wherever you're at right now. I want you to stand up wherever you're at, your whole family, in your living room. I don't care if you're making it, stand up in right now. And I want you to look at the TV. And I want you to say this verse out loud with me. And I want you to stand up to do it, okay? All right, here we go. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm giving lots of time. Stand up. Here we go. Here's what's going to happen. Mom, I know you're watching in South Dakota. I want you to stand up right now. Here we go. Isaiah 41.10, the ESV version. Let's say it together. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Can you imagine thousands of people saying that out loud right now? That is awesome. Now, have a seat. Take a seat. It's all right. Listen, here's what I want us to understand what this verse is telling us. Because in this verse, I see that there are four powerful truths about fear that we need to remember. Four things that we will see about fear and God if we place them in the light. And I'm going to encourage you to write these down. I want you to encourage you to write these down. The first thing that we see in this verse is don't be afraid. God is with you. Right? He said, fear not. God is with you. And if God is with you, who can be against you? The Bible says. No one. So don't be afraid. Remember, God is with you. Number two, the second thing we see is don't lose hope. God is still God. Isn't it easy in times like this to say, man, God, I don't know what's happening. Where are you at? God's like, I'm right here. The same spot I've always been. Don't lose hope. God is still God. He's on his throne. He is with you. God is God. You're not. I'm not. Goodness gracious. I'm glad we're not. God is God. Don't lose hope. Number three. Third thing I want you to take a look at is this. Is don't lose strength. God is stronger. It can be so easy to feel weak right now. We just feel weak and we don't feel strong. We don't know what to do. So we start to lose our mind. Listen, listen. Don't lose strength. Trust in God's strength. God's strength will never, ever end. And now fourth, last thing is this. Last thing is don't lose your step. God will steady you. Because in uncertain times, it's easy to feel like we're losing our step. But I'm telling you right now, if you stay strict with God, if you connect with God, if your faith is strong, if you focus on him, oh my goodness, God will steady you. He will steady the ship in your life. He will do that for you. I heard someone actually say this right before I came on. They said, you know, normally my, my volume on God, I'm like an eight. But, but for some reason, for some reason right now, the fear volume is a little bit higher and I don't like it. I've got to adjust the volume knobs. This is what God is saying. Adjust the volume knobs. Turn down the fear. Turn up God. Remember that he is with you. He is still God. He is stronger and God will steady you where you're at. You could take that to the bank. God will do that. See, fear that tips us toward worry and anxiety is the worst kind of fear because it is a liar. It is a liar. See, the more that we can put fear into its place, the quicker we can remember the truth about God in our life. God's light is always brighter than any darkness this world can offer. Guys, just remember that light illuminates the truth about our fears. Light illuminates the truth about our fears. 
You know, there's, there's a lot of talk uh, about the coronavirus, but, but you might not have realized that there's actually another corona. It's really interesting that the other corona is the outer atmosphere of the sun and it extends many thousands of miles above the visible surface of the sun itself. And it gradually transforms this outer, this corona, it transforms in what's called solar winds. And those solar winds is what goes out in the universe and ultimately kind of what heats our planet. This is how the heat we get from the sun comes. But guys, here's the cool part. You normally can never see the corona. You, you can normally never see it. The sun is just normally just so bright into the naked eye. It's just this big glob of, of yellow and brightness, right? It just gets absorbed in this big ball. But there's only one time, there's only one time that you can see the corona. And you know when that is? It's during a total eclipse of the sun. When the moon blocks out the solar surface, you are able to see the corona. And it looks like this. Isn't that awesome? Like you can see the rays coming up, the solar flares coming off. But the only way that you can see that is when it's the darkest time on earth. The only time you can see the flaring of the sun is when it is the darkest on earth. But yet in the darkest time, you get to see the brilliance of the heat of the sun, of the glow of the sun keeping us warm, giving us light. You can see where it comes from. My friends, I pray that we can see this as a time like this, that even though we're fearful, even though we're unsure of what's happening, happening, can I just tell you, God is shining. Jesus is illuminating our lives. And when we shove all that stuff into the darkness, from the darkness into the light, we're able to deal with it better. We can see the brilliance of Jesus telling us that he's still here. He still loves us. He's still at work. He's telling us to fear not. My friends, light illuminates the truth about our fears every time. But there was another time when the sun went dark on the world. And it was a time when Jesus was on the cross. And we read about it in Mark chapter 15. In verse 33, it says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was on the cross where the greatest darkness in the world occurred, the greatest darkness the world has ever felt, the point at which Jesus took the sin of all mankind onto his bruised and bloody shoulders. But the darkest hour in history actually provided the greatest light in the world the world has ever seen. Jump down to verse 37. It says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. 
the darkness that brought Jesus, that was put onto Jesus, gave us the light of the Son of God. And the only way that fear has a grip on your life is if you keep it in the dark. Because Jesus took on sin and death and darkness and fear and everything else that's in our life. He took that on his shoulders on the cross and he crucified it. Death lost its sting and fear lost its hold on us. When he nailed himself to that cross, all because of Jesus, because of Jesus, and because of Jesus, we celebrate communion. We celebrate this Jesus that took on the darkness of sin, the darkness of death for me, for you, for the world. And he did that. He did that so that we don't have to feel the darkness, the isolation, but we can be in the light of his grace that covers us, that loves us, despite what might be going on. He's still there. Light illuminates the fear in our life, shows it for what it really is, that it's a liar. And it shows us how bright Jesus is and how great his grace is. So we're going to take communion now together. And I'm going to ask that I hope that you'd find a crackers or juice or something at your home that you can, you can take that with us. And in a second, I'm going to come back and we'll take communion together. I'm going to worship here in a second. I'd encourage you to do that. And Debbie, sing loud out there. And I'm just going to encourage us all to, to really comprehend what are we keeping in the dark? What are we keeping from God? And can we illuminate it into the light of grace that Jesus gives us? Because through his broken body and his shed blood, he shattered it all. And we can have hope. And we can know that we don't have to fear because Jesus tells us, fear not. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father, we come before you in some ways trembling because we don't know what to do. We're really numb in some ways also, Father. We, we don't know where to go. and We don't know what the next step is, the next right thing to do is. But God, what we do know and what we hear today is that you tell us fear not. So God, if we believe in your Son as the Savior of our souls, might we lean in and trust him that he could be the savior of our fear too. And God, I just ask right now that if there's anyone joining us right now that feels as though they are fearful or they are filled with anxiety, if they would just lay that down in front of your feet. And God, if there is anyone right now that doesn't know you, Jesus, that has never stepped across that line of faith, that I would say today is the day for you to do that because the more you stumble in the dark, the lonelier it gets, the more fear will settle in. But as soon as you can step in the light of Jesus, he is going to illuminate your life. He'll warm you with his love. So my prayer is that if anyone doesn't know you, Jesus, right now I would pray wherever they're at, that they would simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm apart from you because of that sin. And I am in a dark place. But today I realize, Jesus, you are the light of the world. You came to save me from my sin, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to fear not. God, you tell us that if anyone claims your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they promise to follow him, to, to commit all their life to him, God, that they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. They illuminate their life. 
And so, God, I pray that you would do that now across the world to whoever might hear this, God, that your son would be their savior and all their darkness can go away into the light of Jesus. My prayer for you is that if anyone that doesn't know Jesus and made that decision today, or if you need prayer today, would you just reach out to those chat hosts? They would love to connect with you any way they can to be able to help you through that. We as a church want to be able to help you any way that we can and just let us know how we can be praying for you wherever you might be at, around the country, around the world. We want to be praying for you and I hope that we'll pray for one another during this difficult time. But my prayer is that we will remember to fear not. That maybe you share this message with somebody. Maybe you need to come back next week and tune in for week two because believe me, next week you'll not want to miss. But my prayer is that we would all be in this together. That although we might be in our homes by ourselves, we would not be alone because we know that every brother and sister is praying for one another and that God's got this. He's telling us to fear not. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.